Big Tony. What's up, brother? What's up, man? What's up? How have you been doing? I'm doing all right. I mean, this is going to be weird for the listeners because we went out of order. Like, mm-hmm. so we had like podcasts that were like a couple months old. Then we did the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Then we went back to the podcasts that were a little bit old. And now we're making our way through. So this is now, I think, two weeks after the Israeli-Palestinian one went live. But I think we're catching up because I've been publishing every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we're we're catching up. And I think soon, maybe within like a month or six weeks, like we'll be on that weekly schedule, right? Would that make sense or no? Is it just always going to, maybe I should publish two a week then so it actually catches up because right now it's just, <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, because if we do one a week and then. Uh, then yeah, we record once a week. Yeah. yeah, never mind. I'm an idiot. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, good stuff, Jordan. Let's just sign off right there. <laughs> it's been a good podcast. Maybe I should just start publishing two a week for a while so we can start catching up, get it closer to current events. Maybe I'll do that. We'll see how it goes. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Didn't want to get out of bed this morning, but here I am. You were just like really comfy under the sheets. Yeah, I think the weather changing, it gets a little bit colder and it's like, man, that blanket feels extra good right now. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know exactly you know what, what I mean. you mean. Dude, is it, is yeah. it cold in uh, Dallas or... Are you guys uh, still? It's not cold. It's been rainy for a couple of days, but I mean, it was it was an outrageously hot summer. It was like, mm-hmm. and I love it. Like I love the heat. So it was like one tens for the whole summer. Then it dropped into like the high high to mid nineties for like uh, September, and now it's in October, late October, and it's been like seventy five and, and beautiful. The last couple of days, it's been a little bit cloudy, but otherwise, it's good. Yeah. Okay. So, so once the cold sets in, you know, yeah. then we'll, then we'll talk. Yeah. What, <laughs> what is it? What is it where you are? Is it like 40s, oh, 50s right now? Yeah. Not, not even. Yeah. It'll get in the like 50s at night. It's, oh. it's more just, uh, I don't know. It just, it just changes the way it feels when I wake up. Dude, that just solidified me moving out of the Northeast. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds so bad. <laughs> and like we're we're a lot further south than, you know, Boston or New York. So Yeah. Yeah. You're you're DC, right? Yeah. 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 That's still it's I mean, even though it doesn't get as much snow, it still gets super cold. Yeah. The way that I describe it, I'm from Chicago, so I'm used to like oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the long, brutal winters um, and the short but beautiful summers is I get like an extra month of good weather on either end. And like the deepest parts of winter are just not it's not even close to. Yeah. Bad, so, dude, Chicago is is ruthless. It's yeah. absolutely with that like bitter, bitter cold. You go inside, you're like, you can't even close your hands because they're just so freaking cold. Yeah, that's Chicago weather's ruthless. Yeah. You ever like get like your eyelashes sort of frozen together because you close your eyes outside? Yeah, that happens. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think that ever happened to me. <laughs> it's got to be pretty bad, but what would you, all right, what would you rather? Would you rather outrageous, ridiculous, like, out insane heat or the most frigid of the frigid of the frigid cold Eek. Eek is right so i i think heat yeah the the only caveat is if it's cold you can put on layers you can insulate you can stand by a fire you can you know what mm-hmm. i mean there's there's stuff you can do to create heat when you're hot like you you can't take off any more layers after a certain point. Well, I mean, if we're it's talking just... about you can make a fire, like we could use air conditioning or put a fan on, like if, if that's what we're going to include. <laughs> have, have you ever have you ever been trying to sleep in a room that's just entirely too hot? Oh, it's terrible. It's, it's impossible. Awful. Like yeah, you're, yeah. You're sweating. They're like, even if like you've got a fan or something, it's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you wonder how people lived before modern technology. Yeah. Like how like how in the hell did people live before? air conditioning or heat right it's like i like my room temperature at like 67 if it's if it's slightly deviated from that i'm like ah i can't sleep like what an absolute piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) and 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 then we go in the sauna and the ice bath right right, experience the the difference for a second yeah people even like a hundred years ago would just be like 
you do this for fun? Like you pay to do this? <laughs> like this was life for us. What, what are you talking about? Yeah. 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 So you, you'd go with heat, but you also recognize sometimes comfort. Like cold I don't know. I'm just like, tough. I'm imagining both worst case scenarios and I hate them both. So yeah, they're both terrible. Yeah. yeah. I hate questions like this. Like, <laughs> would you rather? It's just like, I would rather not either. I'm never going to be in that situation anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've designed my life to not it's like, have to do it. It's like that. when people are like, if you can only do one exercise for the rest of your life, I'm like, well, I don't only have to do one. I could do every exercise that I ever want to do. So I don't only have to choose one. Yeah. That's right. I get it. That's yeah. right. What, what are we talking about today? Big tone. So per usual, I have like two kind of ideas percolating in my head. Okay. Um, so I'm going to lead with one and then let, let's see what you think. But I think it would be so cool to hear what it's like to be on YouTube. Oh, interesting. What is it like to be a YouTuber, to make videos, to produce that content, talk about the engagement, talk about the metrics, talk about the format, talk mm. about the behind the scenes and give our podcast listeners kind of some insight into, you know, that whole world because it's it is a beast of its own. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. So we, that's one option, and I'm I'm more than happy to go into it. What's the other one percolating? Ah, oh, all right. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll we'll weigh the options, then we'll we'll figure out where we're going to go. So the other option I think would be to talk about mental health. Oh, and okay. to talk about mental health and sort of a fitness and health context, but also in a media context and, and, and just in a 2023, you know, context. Mm. And yeah, I, I feel like it could go so many places, but I know that, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they have questions, they have mental health adjacent issues or mm -hmm. concerns. Uh, you know, we even mentioned like body dysmorphia last episode eating disorders, mm -hmm. depression, anxiety. I just feel like there's so much that we could go into and talk about. Yeah. So, I mean, here's where my head is on these two topics. I'd love to talk about both of them. I think they're great ideas. So awesome job on your part. I think they're both fantastic. I think mental health would be more relevant and important for people listening as opposed to like, let's talk about being a YouTuber. But like, I think people, I think there'd be people who'd be interested in both. The, the concern with just me jumping right into the mental health right now is I feel like there is potentially, I mean, depending on if, do you have questions already to go for that? Do you have ideas for discussions? Cause I don't want to jump into that unprepared. If you have thoughts and ideas ready to go, then let's do that. If you don't, then let's save that one for next week so that I can be a little bit more prepared and have good questions ready to go and, and more thoughts laid out. Cause that's not yeah. one I just want to yeah. wing. But if you, if you already have thoughts, ideas, questions ready to go, then I think let's jump into that one. Otherwise, we'll do YouTube first. My instinct is to give you a week to to percolate on it. Cool. All right, let's do that. So so we don't want to. I don't want to jump into that one and then regret it and be like, ah, I mm -hmm. didn't give that one my best. So w during this week, we'll like come up with questions and thoughts and like different areas that people might be struggling with their mental health. We'll hit that one next week. And then this week we'll do YouTube. Sounds great. And also we'll have cool. a. I like this because then people can. So two weeks actually. Okay, cool. So two weeks. Got it. Because it's cool because I feel like most people don't hear or see the planning process for yeah. content ever. So it's cool to like, all right, cool. So this is what we're going to do. All right. So let's go YouTube. What, what are your thoughts on YouTube first? Like any, any specific questions oh, man, to begin a, with? Or you just want me to jump right um, in? So we mostly converse here on this podcast but you have an entire mm -hmm. uh, branch of content that's in video format on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I say, yeah. let's go back to the beginning and just talk about when you, oh, when you started on YouTube, <laughs> why did you get started with YouTube? What made you get into it? Yeah. So I think my first YouTube video wasn't actually, you know what? Let me, uh, YouTube, let me just go. Really quick. I think it was 2012. I believe that's when it was. But let me look very quickly. Usually, oh yeah, oldest. Okay. <laughs> Looking at these videos, bro, it's so funny. 
to go like to my YouTube channel and because you can when at least when you're on desktop, you can order them from mm-hmm. oldest to newest. This is so funny. My first video was 11 years ago. I published it on May 31st, 2012. The title is Introduction to Training Abroad. Okay, so I made that video because I, (laughs) this is so funny. I made this video because I was going to be a tour guide for a group of, do you know this story? Did I tell you this story before? Uh, in, in Israel? Yeah, it's who were out in Israel. So I was in my young 20s and there was a program that was taking Jewish youth from the United States and they were taking them to Prague and then to Poland and then from Poland to Israel. And it was like a six week trip where basically in Prague is, we'll go, we'll go through this quickly, but Hitler that's a real change of pace, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this guy, Hitler, right? <laughs> so Hitler obviously wanted to kill all the Jews, but he also wanted to have like a museum of what the Jews were like. And so people could see. So he designated the Jewish quarter in Prague to be kept as a museum. So the synagogue was still there. The Jewish quarter was still there. All like the Jewish life was kept, like the buildings and everything was kept exactly as it was. Because he wanted to show like, this is what the Jews lived like. So the Jewish quarter in Prague is the best kept place that actually represents Jewish life pre-Holocaust in all of Europe. So that's why we would bring these these kids to Prague first. And then from Prague, we'd go to Poland, obviously go to uh, Warsaw, we'd go to Auschwitz. And then from there, we'd go to Israel and show sort of the, the course of how Israel has become what it is today, giving um, some history to these young 16-year-old kids about the Jewish people and Israel history and all of that. So I was a tour guide on this and uh, I was in my young twenties. It was, I was during college and obviously at this point in time, I'm super into fitness as well. And I actually, I had just finished interning at Westside Barbell, interned at Cressy Sports Performance. At this point in time, I'm literally in the middle of my powerlifting career. I'm like, at this point, I want to be a world-class powerlifter. I have not totaled elite at this point in my career yet. I have not set any records yet. I'm like relatively early on of like, hey, I want to be a, a world record powerlifter. And I'm seeing a lot of people, and I don't, actually, I shouldn't say the word a lot, especially relative to today's standards. I'm seeing many of the people of the coaches who I admired at that point in time making YouTube videos. And usually what they would do is, because there was no Instagram at this point in time, writing website articles was the main way that people would really make a name for themselves online. And so I had started my website already, but I noticed that they would often embed YouTube videos within their articles online. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to write an article, it can be helpful to have a YouTube video that will go along with whatever the article is saying, whether it's exercise video tutorials or descriptions, whatever it is. So I made a YouTube channel and I decided I was going to make YouTube videos of what my training was like while I was on this trip as when I was a tour guide. The main thing though is very, it was very difficult because there were 43, 16 year old kids and it was nonstop for six weeks straight. It was, it was like from three in the morning until midnight, basically every single day, you're in charge of all these kids. I knew I would have next to zero time to train. So all of my training, it wasn't like I was going to the gyms. I was training in my hotel room at midnight. And so I wanted to show people what my training was like when I was traveling abroad. I had zero access to equipment. I had no barbells, no dumbbells. I brought bands and these like sliders with me to my hotel room. And I was updating people on how I was working out in the gym or how I was working out on this insane trip with next to no sleep, relatively horrible nutrition, and how I was going to do my best to maintain my strength. And so that was like, the title of that first video was Introduction to Training Abroad. And then the next video was Training Abroad, Max Effort, Lower Body. The next video is Training Abroad, Full Body Training on the Beach. The next Training Abroad, Weighted Dips versus Band Resistance. I'm just like giving these like very brief videos of what it's like to train when you're traveling and there are so, some videos of, sorry, keep going. Yeah. Are, are you describing 
like the thought process behind it? Are you like going through? Is it sort of like form video or is it more just like a, a feed of you working out? Yeah, so I'm I'm describing it. I'm explaining it. Mm-hmm. There are also some videos like I <laughs> just walked through the, the Jerusalem marketplace, the Jerusalem Shook, as hike, a video of me hiking. There's a video of me in a hostel doing face pulls on the bunk bed. Uh, showing like basically how to improve shoulder health and and stability while you're traveling. Uh, there are some videos of me doing full workouts in the tiny, tiny, tiny hotel rooms. I believe this one was actually in Prague. There's one of me doing like speed strength training on the beach because there's like a lot of like dip bars or like some some exercise public exercise equipment in Israel. So it's it's a lot of me just like doing one or two exercises or a literal full body workout on YouTube. Yeah. It's just, it's with a terrible camera. It was not like with my phone. I had like this awful, 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 awful camera. And uh, if you go back and watch, like it's very different than what you see today. It's very, it's so different. It's not even funny. But the whole purpose of why I started was I wanted to show people how you could train, how you could work out, even when you don't have access to a gym, even when life is super busy, even when you're exhausted. I have an, an applied nutrition while traveling section on here. Yeah. So that that's when, when I first started making YouTube videos. So when you describe it, the content fits exactly with what you still talk about today. Um, and, and with mm-hmm. your ethos today, like showing people how you do it, like opening your life up to people and then showing how you can you know, be healthier. So that's really cool to see 11 years ago that you were kind of on the same uh, mission. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, at least for me, it always made sense from the perspective of, I, I honestly think the way that I teach comes down to the way that I learn. And I, I was in special education and we've had whole conversations about this whole podcast on it, but I never liked and was never good at understanding when someone would just explain, like, here's the theory. It would help me much more to actually see it practically. And those for me were my best, my favorite and and best teachers that I learned from were the people who were able to give really good analogies and explain what it was like in real life and practical examples. And so I think for me, so much of how I teach and how I make content, which is essentially how I teach, was based on let's just show people how I actually do it. Because then when they see it firsthand, there's far less ambiguity. It's more like this is literally it in real life. Yeah. You were filming it yourself on a camera, on a digital camera, I'm guessing, and then loading Mm -hmm. it onto your computer and editing it. Yeah. I didn't edit it. There was zero editing. So Uh, it's just like a straight, like this is two minutes of straight footage hit upload yeah that's exactly right and there would even it's funny because I'm, I'm scrolling through now there are like all these exercise video tutorials that I filmed at my mom's apartment in Chelsea Massachusetts at one point I was making a, a whole like beginner's guide to warming up and there was like a, a crazy storm coming through so you can hear in the background like the wind whistling in the background but mm-hmm. if you watch these videos of me doing these exercise videos you'll to the point where not only did I not edit them, I would hit record and then you'd see me walk, walk out in, in front frame, of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> then I would do it. And then you'd see me walk back and hit stop. I didn't even cut the ends off. It was like, yeah. there's no editing whatsoever. It's just like, whatever I film, I upload directly. Yeah. So how, how consistent were you in those early years? Was it like just when you were traveling or just to do a series of training videos or were you like on a somewhat regular posting schedule so early on on that first trip it wasn't super i mean when i say not super consistent i think it was about one video a week maybe two videos a week at most as soon as i got back looking at these videos i was ruthlessly consistent now most of my videos when i got back are training videos from powerlifting so you'll see if you go through my old videos like it's a lot of me powerlifting of me at the gym uh, in my college gym, just my my powerlifting training, and and I did have some exercise video tutorials, but majority of these are a lot of like training with my powerlifting team and and just watching us lift and just 
do absolute, like it's looking at some of these lifts that I was doing in college just are outrageous, but it's a lot of that. And there's a lot of exercise video tutorials. There's a lot of competition videos. The thing that I would keep in mind as you go through these videos is it wasn't just, it wasn't like, like now when I do a video, it's a standalone video. A lot of these videos were videos that were embedded into an article. So there's a lot of powerlifting competition videos of not just me, but also my teammates. And so I would write articles and I'd be like, hey, Chaz, this is his first attempt. This is his second attempt. This is his third attempt. And so you'll see that on YouTube and it's like, well, that's weird. Why would he upload that? But it made sense in the context of it was embedded within an article and I needed all those videos there. So I was super, super consistent, but I don't think the educational videos really started to come until about, there were some 11 years ago, but the most of the educational videos didn't start until about 10 years ago, looking at the actual timestamps on this, most of the education stuff that really started to happen nine, 10 years ago. So this sort of grew naturally out of like your, I don't want to call it blogging. Was it blogging or like writing articles at the time? Yeah. I always called it writing art. Blogging just sounded so much less serious <laughs> to me. So I was yeah. like writing, cause I, these weren't just like, it wasn't like I was just stream of conscious, like, Hey, here's what's going on. It was like each article would take 16 to 24 hours of work, a lot of research, a lot of time. So it was writing articles, yeah. uh, but it, it came from that writing articles came first and then YouTube came after. Yeah. And it wasn't until a year in that you started considering video as like a standalone format. Correct. Yeah. Until it was really like, Hey, this should just be what I started doing on my website was I started doing an exercise video of the week, which is funny because now exercise videos are like multiple times a day on Instagram, but every week on, I think it was Wednesday, I would publish, here's the exercise video of the week. And it was, here's a half kneeling hip flexor stretch, or here's like a, a push up variation, whatever it is. And so I would film or record that exercise video of the week and I would embed it into the article. And I would essentially, I, I know some people are, are better visual learners and some people are better like reading and some people, it, it people learn in different ways. So I would film the video, have, I would embed that in the article, but I wouldn't just say, Hey, here, watch the video. I would also then write out and bullet point. Here are the cues you need to do. Here's how you execute the exercise. Here's how many sets and reps. So the whole video, like the video would have all that information and the article would have all that information. Cause I knew some people would watch the video. Some people would read the article. Some people would do both, but YouTube was born out of writing articles. And then I would I would embed those videos, even the educational ones, even the standalone videos that still today generate a significant amount of views were originally made just to be embedded into a longer form article. Mm -hmm. How much did you pay attention to things like uh, metrics or engagements or comments? Zero, zero, yeah. mainly because at this point in time, I didn't, number one, I didn't know how powerful YouTube was. I didn't understand that you could get like a lot. And at that point in time, there really wasn't that many people really dominating on YouTube like there are today. But I didn't, I didn't understand. My main focus was on my website. So to be fair, I did look at metrics on my website, how many readers there were, how much time they were spending on each page, how many comments I was getting. So I did look at metrics on my website, but on YouTube, not at all. It was, I, I really didn't even consider YouTube a standalone platform. It was far more like YouTube was just a way to help make my articles a little bit better. That's just where you host your videos. Yeah, yeah. Exa that's exactly right. Might as well have been Vimeo or any other video hosting platform. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So let's fast forward a little bit. When did that start to change? So looking through, I think that started to change that changed when I started coaching Gary Vaynerchuk. So all the way through until I moved to Israel, I was in Israel for a while. I was still mainly writing website articles, doing a little bit of Instagram. I was obviously uploading a lot to YouTube at this point, but it was all, all of my YouTube, almost all of it was exercise video tutorials, like basically all of it. So if you mm -hmm. go back, like Exercise video tutorials was basically all I did. I barely spoke about nutrition on there very rarely, mainly just because at that point in time, my main focus was exercise, especially as a professional powerlifter. And most of my clients came to me for powerlifting. Even women at that point was just, they, they really just wanted powerlifting. Over time, as I retired from powerlifting and more people started to come for me for general health and fat loss, that's when nutrition really became far more of what people were looking for for me. Mm -hmm. But when I started coaching Gary Vaynerchuk, 
that's when I really started to say, hey, I think YouTube needs to be a much bigger focus for me. I wasn't writing articles anymore. And the main reason for that was because writing articles takes an obscene amount of time. Writing a really good article takes an obscene amount of time. I know there are a lot of people who say writing like no one reads website articles anymore. That's so stupid. It's unbelievable because anytime you want to learn something, you don't go to Instagram and type in whatever you're looking for. When you want to learn something, you go to Google and you type in how to do this, how to do that. And you will either be met, you'll either read an article about it or you'll watch a YouTube video about it. That's how people learn now. You don't even go to podcasts. You don't search. You Usually you don't search podcasts like, hey, I want to learn about this. Usually you say how to do this, how to do that. And you find a long form article explaining it or a long form YouTube video explaining it. With that in mind, I was like, listen, I and I have episodes. We have episodes all about talking about how insane it was coaching Gary. I didn't have the time, energy or capacity to write long form articles anymore. So I was like, I thought YouTube videos were going to be easier. I was like, oh, (laughs) I thought that it would be like way less of a time investment and that it would be much easier. So I was like, I'll switch to YouTube. Ha ha. No, jokes on you. It It is not easier at all. Uh, But that actually ended up being my first real business. That was my first hire. My first hire for my business was hiring a videographer. Mm. And the first one I hired, his name was David Brissetti. And I found him because my business partner, Mike Vacanti, had worked with him. And so he was my first videographer. And I had gotten the idea from Mike and also from Gary because Gary had had videographers for himself. And I was like, listen, YouTube videos, good YouTube videos take an insane amount of time, like an unbelievable amount of time, effort, energy, creativity. Yeah. It's really wild how how much time a single YouTube video takes. So it made sense to me to pay for it, but also people don't understand how much that costs. Like right now, one YouTube video, one YouTube video for me usually costs somewhere between one to 1000 to $2,500, just one video. And I'm doing that like once a week. So it's like, it's, it's an insane amount of time and money. And this is people's full-time job is just being a videographer, video editor. It's insane. So you kind of skipped that phase where like you were just kind of pointing, shooting, and you kind of skipped the whole self-editing phase and immediately hired someone. Yeah. It's funny. I did eventually go back. I did Mm -hmm. eventually try and do it myself. And I learned that and got the final cut pro and all that. And I, I did do that, that later Sony camera, right? Yeah, exactly. But actually, ironically, that's when my channel has done the absolute best. Interesting. My channel has gotten the most views and the most engagement when I film and edit my own videos. And I think there are a number of reasons for that. But I think it's because it feels like me because it is me. Whereas when it's another videographer, obviously like their own personality comes through and their own style. Yeah. Whereas when it's me filming and me editing, it's all 100% me. The issue is it takes, it takes an unbelievable amount of time, like a truly unbelievable. And at this point, especially in my life now, if I have to choose between taking the time to edit my own video or spending time with my wife and daughter, it's spending time with my wife and daughter 100% of the time. So I will gladly pay my videographer, Mitch, to do that for me, sacrifice views and engagement so that I can spend more time with my wife and daughter. If I was way more focused on getting more views, making more money, then I would say, hey, I'm not going to sit down and have dinner with you so that I can take time to edit this video. But at this point in my life, it's not worth it. But if I was 24, 25, 26, just starting, like I would absolutely and I didn't have a girlfriend or I didn't have kids or any of that, I would absolutely take that time to do that because I think it would be worth it. But yeah, my my channel exponentially has always done better when it was me editing and all of that. So let, let's dive in just a little bit. Talk us through what it's like to produce your own video for YouTube. Like you say, it's a lot of work. You say it takes a lot of time, but like what what's that look like? So I think what's, probably the biggest misconception and mistake that I made early on is 
the idea was, all right, first you have to come up with the topic and then you, you outline the topic. And, and my videos are very educational. Like I don't really do vlogs. I don't really do, most of my videos are just like, here's straightforward. This is what you're going to do. I'm standing at a whiteboard. I'm going to explain it. But there have been other types. But basically, I always thought all I had to do was think of a topic, outline the topic, film the video and post. And that's one very small aspect of it. But when we're talking about actually reaching more people, you have to understand something called search engine optimization. And you have to understand not only what topic people are wanting, but how are people searching for that topic in YouTube or in Google? What literally, what are they typing in to figure it out? So for example, people are not usually typing in the most satiating foods in a caloric deficit, right? That's usually not what people are searching. More people would probably search for how to stay full when dieting or how to stay full when losing weight. And so the exact keyword phrase that you use matters tremendously in regard to, is it going to show up when people search it? But not only do you have to think about what are people searching, you also have to think about how many other creators are trying to optimize for that keyword phrase. There's competition for that phrase. So then you have to start doing research and there are tools you can use, but you have to figure out, okay, this keyword phrase is the one that most people search, but it also has the highest competition among creators. So this is probably going to be the one that the, the top, top, top 0.01% of creators, like they're going to be on the first page of Google, the first page of YouTube. And if you go on the second page, at that point, you're irrelevant. No one's going to the second page anymore. They go to the first page, they like look at what's above the fold, and they're going to click something and watch it, and then you're not going to be seen. So it would actually be better off to maybe find a keyword phrase that is slightly less popular that people search, but also less competition. Mm -hmm. Because if you show up on the first page of this slightly less popular search, you will now get more views and more people seeing your content because it's showing up on the first page. The whole goal is show up on the first page, whatever people are searching for. If you show up on the first page, you're winning. And so sometimes you you don't go for the highest search volume. You go for a slightly lower search volume, but less competition. Mm-hmm. So now it's not just about the topic. It's about, well, what am I going to title the topic? What am I going to name the topic? And then you have to optimize for that. And there's there's a whole host of things you have to do. I won't go into the details of it, but that takes a lot of time to figure that out. And then let's say you figure out what the best keyword phrase is, best title, but that doesn't necessarily make sense with your video. It's like, okay, well, I know this is going to be the best thing that people are searching for, but it doesn't make sense with the message I want to get across. Then you have to change how you're going to introduce the video so people aren't like, oh, you're clickbaiting me. <laughs> like, so then you have to change that. So before you even film the video, you have to know what the title is going to be. You have to know exactly what the title of your video is going to be. And you have to understand, maybe I have to change the introduction of this video so that people understand exactly what I'm saying. Because one of the worst things anyone can do, and I see a lot of YouTubers doing this, is they clickbait people. Right. And I think when your goal is more views, clickbait can be a, a good strategy. But if your goal is to create goodwill and have people actually enjoy your content and want to continue to watch, clickbait is a terrible idea because essentially you're just tricking them. You're trying to trick them into watching your video and people do not appreciate that. Yeah, That's why my, in, my income is not based on YouTube. My income is based on the inner circle and my mentorship for personal trainers, the online fitness business mentorship. That's my income. So I don't care how many views a video gets or I care relatively less. I don't make much money from YouTube. My goal is never to make a lot of money from YouTube, even the podcast. That's why I don't do sponsorships on the podcast. It's because it's annoying to people sometimes. That's why I don't clickbait. I, I would rather people love my content enough to where then they, they want to join the inner circle or they want to join the online fitness business mentorship because that's how I support myself and my family. So clickbaiting doesn't make sense because getting more views for the sake of more views for more ad dollars on my YouTube video makes no sense for me because I'm actually going to be creating ill will towards me. So the whole purpose, I don't want to clickbait. I want to make sure that when people join the video, they know exactly what they're going to get and they know I'm being honest with them. And when you look in the comment section, a lot of these people who consistently clickbait, the whole comment section is filled with people being like, it's annoying. It's another clickbait video. What are you doing? Stop. And maybe they're getting a little bit more money from YouTube, 
but YouTube doesn't pay like that much. You need to be getting millions and millions of views consistently in order to make like legitimate money on YouTube, like like real money. If you're getting like quote unquote just thousands of views, like I get, like I just I get thousands. It's not like oh, okay. it's not insane, but my whole business model isn't based on volume. It's based on quality. So I know that my business will succeed as long as I have people who care about what I'm saying and they know that I care about them and they want to join the inner circle because they know I can help them. I don't need millions of people for that. I don't need millions of followers. I just need a small group of people who really enjoy my content, who find it helpful and who want to support me and who who want to join my inner circle because they know it will help them. So my whole business model is not based off of get the most views. It's based off of be the most helpful I possibly can, knowing that we'll probably get fewer views, but that's okay because I don't need more views to make more money. So I'm sensing a tension there though, because you are spending a ton of time optimizing the title before you even do the video. You've got the mm-hmm. title yep, ostensibly yep. because otherwise you're not going to get views. It's It's not, this is an important distinction. It's not just about views for the sake of views. And this might be something worth discussing because if you are, and this is why I don't call myself a YouTuber, Mm -hmm. but if you, if you are a YouTuber and you make your money from YouTube, then views really matter in terms of you need a lot of views, hundreds of thousands and millions in order to make that video worth it from a a financial perspective. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't need a lot of views in order to make that video worth it from a financial perspective. I obviously need some views in order to make it worth it because if it's getting zero, then that's not helping me or anybody. But the amount of views that I need in order to make it quote unquote worth it is is a fraction of what a YouTuber needs because whether or not it's worth it for me is not based on how much money I make from that YouTube video ads. Whether or not it's worth it for me is based on, did someone watch that video, love that video, get help from that video, feel like they're now smarter and and more intelligent from that video, and then continue to follow me, and then eventually, from a business perspective, join the inner circle or my fitness business mentorship. That's it for me. It's more about the long term with that individual, Mm -hmm. whereas... A lot of these YouTubers, they don't care if the same person watches their video twice. They just want the same number of views. For me, I care far more about, am I seeing the same people leave comments? Are the same people watching my videos consistently? Are they showing up consistently? That for me is what makes it worth it. It's much more user focused as opposed to view focused. And obviously you need views in order to help the viewer, yeah. in order to help the user. But when the YouTuber's goal is view focused, you see things change dramatically. When the YouTuber's goal is, I would say, user focused, it's a, it's a very different style video. That's why my videos, I don't have crazy quick jump cuts all the time. I'm not like changing scenes. I'm not changing my tonality. I'm literally giving lectures in my YouTube videos. I have a whiteboard and I'm giving lectures and that's it. And my videographer, Mitch, likes to do some fun things and like he'll get videos of me working out. And, and I love the B-roll. Yeah. 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 So he, he gets that. That's like maybe, maybe two minutes at the beginning and then the rest is just a lecture. So if your goal is straight YouTube, everything becomes about optimization. If your goal is off of YouTube, but using YouTube as just like a, a medium that will help reach uh, some more people, like this is the whole thing. Um, there is an article written when I was young, when I was a young kid in my early 20s or something, that's something to the effect of called a thousand true fans. And the idea of the article, you don't even have to read it, I'll explain it. The idea is if you have a thousand people who will support you in anything you do and buy anything you make, then like you are set for life hmm. forever. You have a thousand people, you're set forever. And for me, I have my thousand people. I don't need more. I don't need more followers. I don't need more. I don't need more people joining the inner circle. Thank God. I don't need more people joining the mentorship. Thank God. If they want to, because they enjoy my content, and they love it. Great. Like I know it will help them, but I don't need it. I don't yearn for it. I do it now just because I know it's still going to help people. And this is my passion. So most YouTubers, they're making videos because they have this 
often ego-based, I need more views, I need more followers. And every if they don't keep making new videos, they don't make more money. The way that I've structured my videos are a lot of times YouTubers will do things based on current events because a current event is going to get a lot of views right now. Mm-hmm. My videos are not based on current events. The only current event piece of content I've really ever made is the Israeli-Palestinian one that you and I did. Yeah. Everything else is more based on long-term, whether it's now or in 500 years from now, people will always want to watch and listen to it. It will always be relevant. And so for me, it's even if I get a relatively small number of views now, over the next 10 years, it will rack up more and more and more and more people will find me because people have found that content helpful. But if I make a current event piece of content now for hopefully views today, in two weeks, it's over. No one cares about it anymore. Like that piece of content is irrelevant. So a YouTuber's goal is get more views on every single video. My goal is just help one more person on this video. Because if one more, if that one person finds it, they find it helpful, they'd consume my content more. And then eventually they will hopefully become an inner circle member or a member of the fitness business mentorship. And that is how I run my business. And it's a service-based business. It's not an entertainment-based business. Yeah. I sort of think of it like you're leaving signposts out in the wilderness of YouTube, Mm. kind of directing people towards the type of content that you think will really help. Yeah. And listen, there's no right or wrong in terms of if someone wants to be a YouTuber and and get more views, that's fine. It's just, it's a completely different business model. Mm -hmm. I'm a personal trainer. When people, literally, I was outside my front yard the other day, I had my jujitsu mats out there and a a couple walked by and they're like, do you train people? And I was like, they said like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a personal trainer. I don't tell them I have an online business. I don't tell them like what I do. I'm a personal trainer because that's what I am. And I carry that into every aspect of my business. Whereas now I think a lot of people are like, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a content creator. And that changes their approach to their business. And I think that's one of the reasons why they burn out so much. If everything failed, I would gladly coach people every day. Like if my entire business flopped, I will be an in-person personal trainer and very happy about it. Mm. I don't need a lot of followers. I don't need any of this stuff. This is just... I. I figured out I can help more people across the world by making content. And so that's worth it to me. But when when the goal is more views from every video, you end up doing really stupid shit that might actually get you more views and might make you appear more successful on YouTube from an outside view. But it, it's, an, it's a never-ending rat race when the goal is always more views, more views, more views because your income is dependent on views. You end up doing really stupid shit. It's sort of like when your income is dependent on sponsorships, which realistically, it's the exact same thing for YouTube. It's just on YouTube, when you're making money from ads, you don't know who your sponsor is, right? Right. Like when you just hit monetize, because you hit a button on YouTube and you say, I want to monetize this video. You don't know what ad is going to pop up on your video. You have no idea. You don't know who you're supporting, who you're giving airtime to. So when your business is based on sponsorships or ads, you're inherently going to be at far greater risk of doing things that you actually wouldn't be morally and ethically okay with, but your income is based on it. So you're, you end up doing it when your income is based on a service of actually helping individuals. It's easier to keep yourself in check because you're not ready. You you, you don't want to screw those people over. It's yeah. like you're actually interacting with those individuals. YouTubers aren't really interacting with these people. They they look at it as how many followers, how many views. That for me never made made sense. So m- me as a YouTuber is very different than most YouTubers, I would say, than most people who are building their entire life off. Of- if my YouTube channel went to shit, it would suck. Like if it got removed, it would really mm-hmm. suck. I would be very upset because I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on on all the content it would be very helpful to people but if i lost it today i'd still be fine it would it wouldn't ruin my business it, it wouldn't ruin my income source like i've set up myself in a way that my business is based on service not based on views and and that's where a lot of people are very vulnerable that's why if i lost my instagram it would be terrible it would suck i would be really upset but i'd still be okay whereas anytime we see instagram go down for a day and you see all these influencers on Instagram lose their shit. It's because 
they don't have a system. They're based off of views. They're based off of engagement. I'm not based off of user engagement. That I think is probably my greatest strength and what allows me to not sell out because I'm not based off of views and engagement. I don't make a video on any platform for views or engagement. I make it to help people. And if it does really well engagement wise, awesome. If it doesn't, not that big of a deal. We were talking about something along these lines a while back and you said something that really stuck with me and it was never build a house on someone else's land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you've really taken that to heart in terms of, yeah, I'll be on YouTube, I'll be on Instagram, but that is not where I'm building my house. That's exactly right. Yep. My, my house is actually built. I guess the way I would look at it is I have multiple properties. Not in real life. I don't have multiple properties. But from my business perspective, my house being my business, I have a lot of properties. YouTube is one property. Instagram is another property. Podcast is another property. Email list is like, that's my... My email list is my is my main house. Mm. That's my that's my home. That's my home with an insurance policy. Like that's where my holiday parties are. That's my family's house. Mm-hmm. I might have rental properties on YouTube and rental properties on Instagram and rental properties on Twitter and rental properties. But like where my whole family comes home and we have Thanksgiving dinner. That's my email list. So that that is the most important one because if Instagram goes down or if YouTube goes down or if whatever, like that's it. It's gone. But my email list, no matter what, I can always get in contact with them. Yeah. Always. And that's the most Should important. Should we put a link to your email list in the yeah. show notes? Yeah. So the, my email list, will will give a link to my free calorie calculator. And, and just to be transparent, that is in the marketing world, this is something called a lead magnet, right? And so, and I hate calling it that, but like that's what they call it in marketing where most people, they don't want to get on an email list. And I understand why, because they don't want to get spam, which is why I don't send spam. But when email first came out, everyone was was getting oh yeah give me your email what's your email and and if you remember like pop-ups coming up you go on a website pop up get on my email list and those actually worked at back in the day now you just immediately x out of a pop-up like what the fuck is that it's annoying (laughs) but people don't like giving their email away because they don't want to get spam so now people treat their email almost like they treat their phone number it's like i'm only going to give you my email if like i know you and who you are and i trust you so in order to get people people think that it's not free to get people on people like it's you sign up it's free it's like well, no, no, they're, you're they're paying you with their email address they're paying you with a way to contact them it's it's a form of payment so my calorie calculator is a way like hey listen it's going to be worth it for you to pay me with this email because you are then going to get my free calorie calculator and then we have that exchange of goods you give me your email i give you the calorie calculator and then you learn how many calories you need in order to lose fat and how much protein you have. And that's all there. That's my like the exchange of goods going mm-hmm. on there. If people don't want to get my emails and they can hit unsubscribe and they don't get it. But if I just say, hey, get on my email list, people aren't going to do that. Like, fuck you. I'm not giving you my email. I don't want to get your emails. But if there's a reason for people to get on, now they do. And this is why it's so funny. There was a, I, I'm not going to name a company or name this, this group, but there was a catastrophe that happened in 2018 as a a big catastrophe. And there was a a whole company that they made a lead magnet based on this catastrophe. And this is in the fitness industry. And I was like, these people are pieces of shit because Mm -hmm. it was, it was a catastrophe with an individual in the industry. And they made an entire lead magnet based off of this catastrophe. And I said, watch this. They are going to sell a very expensive course because you can essentially create an entire sequence of emails that lead into a paid course if you want to. And so I was like, they're going to use this catastrophe to get people on their email list and then sell them a course. And at first people were like, oh my God, they're so nice. They're like giving us like free, this freebie Mm. at the beginning 
just to get people in. And they were like really looking up to them. They're like, oh, it's so admirable. And at the end, like two weeks later, they were selling this ridiculously expensive course that they used. They used the catastrophe to get people on to then try and sell them. And people were like, what the fuck? It was like very smarmy way to go about it. Mm. So again, this, this is why I try to do my best to do everything as ethically as possible, which is I'm going to give you this free free thing you get on my email list and this is it's my insurance policy whereas if you don't get my instagram videos or if you don't see me on instagram you don't see my youtube videos you don't get my podcast if i need to reach you i can email you and that's it so so what we can put that link in the show notes no definitely you've stayed on youtube for all of these years uh for a reason though so what Mm -hmm. do you like about youtube what is youtube good at that you feel like makes it different than other platforms so it's a great question. For me, there's a couple aspects to it. Number one, it's another rental property, right? It's a good rental property to have. I'll talk about it from my perspective first as a, mm-hmm. as a business owner, and then we'll talk about it from the user's perspective. As the business owner, nowadays more than ever, it's very important to develop a close relationship with the person who's viewing your content which is why I always try and be as honest as I possibly can as I hate to use the word vulnerable because I think it's overused, but I try and be as, uh, as vulnerable as I can, as, as honest and as, as straightforward as I possibly can, because I think it creates a closer relationship and and that's what you need nowadays. It's not just surface level. YouTube is very unique because it's not just my voice, like the podcast, you're watching me. You watch my facial expressions. With a podcast, you can do it when you're doing cardio, when you're cleaning, when you're in the car, and you can listen and it's great and it's amazing and you can and you spend a long time listening to them. I love that. With YouTube, the user has to sit down and watch you. It is the most amount of investment in you than any other form of content because they can't really do other things while they're watching your YouTube. Right. They really have to sit and watch. They have to sit down and watch you. And and for me, one of the craziest things is when I see people, they cast their YouTube up onto their TV and they're just sitting down with their family and watching me on, on their home TV. That's like the most amazing thing to me when I see people sitting down on their couch watching me with their family. That to me is the pinnacle because it's like watching a TV show. It's like, hey, we're gonna turn on our favorite TV show. It's Jordan. Yeah. And they're doing it as a family activity. That is like, I'm literally, not literally, I am in a way part of their family, right? It's like, it's for my wife and I, we love the office. It's like, we feel like we know Michael Scott. We feel like we know Dwight Schrute. We feel like we know Jim and Pam because they're in our living room. Yeah. So if I can be in your living room and everyone's attention is just on me, it's really a very unique experience that you don't get from a podcast. Usually a podcast is just done individually. You don't usually listen to podcasts in a group with other people. And you can again do it while you're doing other things. So YouTube is this very unique space in which you sit down, you invite this person into your home, and you watch them, you see them. And it's funny because people can watch my facial expressions in short form content and have much more context to them from my long form content. They know, oh, wow, he was really annoyed in this moment mm. or like it, it's just it's very personal and engaged and as someone who's trying to be very personal and want to develop a relationship with which each individual user and viewer that matters a lot to me so so that is why i that is why on my end i really like it from the user's end if they're sitting down and watching and they're actually paying attention they're far more likely to retain the information from a, a teacher's perspective, and that's I, I consider myself a teacher. Why do teachers take the kid's phone away in class? Why do teachers, like, it's, it's not just audio, it's, it's visual as well. Yeah. It's because they, to watch, to take the time, hey, I need you to sit down, look me in the eyes, and pay attention. That is very important from a, a learning perspective. So in, in YouTube videos, I'm not just talking, I'm also drawing. I'm putting things on, on a visual for them. I'm trying to create as many ways for them to learn as possible. And so that's where I think when if people really, really, really want to learn, they'll either go to YouTube or a website article. 
Mm -hmm. right? They search, how do I do this? And you go to a YouTuber website and either one, you have to give your full attention. You can't read a website article half attention. You have to sit there and read it. You can't watch a YouTube video or you can, that, that's actually one of the, the negatives. You can be on Instagram and watch a YouTube video. You can have a conversation and watch it, but you're not really, really internalizing it. That's why my favorite is when I see people putting me up on their TV, sitting down. I regularly get people tagging me like, they're taking notes watching my YouTube videos. They get a pad of paper and they take notes. Yeah, That is the pinnacle for me because that person will get so much help from that YouTube video, more than they ever would from any 60-second Instagram reel, from any YouTube short, even from podcasts because if you're doing it while you're doing something else, you can learn a lot. And I think it's great to take your mind off of it and to get through it and it's still to educate yourself. But when you're sitting down and watching and taking notes like you're in a class, you can't argue that that isn't the single best way to learn. Yeah. So let's say you've got someone, a colleague or a friend, and they're going to use YouTube for the forces of good and not for mm -hmm. evil. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to them if they're just starting out? I would say, well, the first is, is YouTube. So the hardest one to grow is podcast. Podcast is the most difficult one to grow. YouTube is the second most difficult one to grow. It's, it is so hard to grow on YouTube. Yeah. It is, people have no idea. It is so freaking hard. So understand that usually I would say posting minimum one to three times a week for five years before like you really start to get real traction. And I think if this was five years ago, I would have said three years. Now I'm going to say five years. Very rarely someone will strike lightning and go viral and crazy in a very short period of time. Usually the person that that happens to is a very unique individual from the perspective of either they are outrageously jacked or outrageously just like they're just aesthetically like, holy shit, that person's perfect, right? Like they have a body that everybody wants, which is that's very common on YouTube. We see that a lot. People who are just outrageously like their physiques are nuts, which is, by the way, one of the reasons why anabolic steroids are, are being abused so much because people are like, well, if I get that body, then I'll go wild on YouTube and Instagram. So I'm going to take these drugs so I can look like that. And then we're seeing people die really young and have really terrible health issues as a result of it. So I don't recommend doing that. But the people who usually go wild and who uh, go viral very quickly either have that about them, like this crazy physical specimen, and or they are unbelievably engaging. They're like that one person in your life who you always want to be around them. They're like, no matter what they're, yes, like they're like, they're funny. Yeah. The way they speak is just like, they had this indescribable it that for some reason you could just watch them talk for hours. And these are very unique people. They're very unique. They're very special. And it, it's not common, which is why you can't really compare yourself to them because that person is not the normal individual. So most people, I would say one to three videos, and I mean good videos, every week for five years is, is probably what you can expect to start getting average results on, on YouTube. And part of that time is probably just getting good at making videos, yes, right? exactly. I mean, just putting in the time and the, the reps. Go watch my old YouTube videos. They suck. I think the first like 400 suck. Seriously, they're terrible. They're all the sound quality is terrible. I'm nervous as shit. I'm so nervous in my first YouTube videos. You can see it. I'm red in the face. I'm I'm going side to side. It's there. I'm very nervous in my first like 400 YouTube videos. Yeah, it's it's yeah. so cool that it's there and that people can see like yeah. that transition. Because I mean, I when I met you and and today, it's just like you're just so comfortable in front of the camera, in front of a microphone. Yeah, and that took. That took years for you, right? But I never would have known. I would have assumed, oh, Jordan just, he's just a natural. He can just. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's the hard part is how I am right now, how I am on YouTube now and on podcast now. This is how I am all the time. This is me. This is me. You get me. When you first start putting a microphone in front of your face or a camera in front of your face, you get nervous and you like, it's hard to be you. Mm -hmm. So then you end up trying to be someone else. And usually what I struggled with early on was I wanted to sound smart. 
I wanted people to think I was smart and I wanted to impress people with my level of intelligence. And so instead of being me, I tried to become someone that I'm not and use words that I don't normally use. Like a very common one, I, I see people do this in their writing all the time, fitness professionals that say, I want you to consume this much protein. I'm like, why the fuck did you say consume? Mm. Like when in your life do you ever say, oh yes, I consumed uh, 84 grams of carbohydrates. No, like I ate a fuck ton of carbs. That's it. Like I ate carbs. I consumed a pepperoni I consumed, pizza. Yeah, yeah. No one ever says that. And so as soon as I see there, and I can say this because I was that guy, I can see it because that was me. People try and appear smarter in order to impress people because they think that's what's going to make them money. That's what is going to cause people to trust them. And ironically, what's going to cause people to trust them is being themselves and just speaking like they actually are. And so- so that for me was a huge turning point. And so in, in addition to saying, hey, it's going to take one to three great videos for five years, I would say, be you. And I think the best way to be you is whatever you're feeling, say that at the beginning. So one thing I, I started doing early on is, is if I was nervous to be in front of the camera, I would say, hey, I'm really nervous to be in front of the camera right now. So I hope that you can bear with me. I'm just, I, I'm nervous and say it. And this is one of the best pieces of advice that I give when people are like, I'm going to have a job interview. Mm. If you're nervous, say it right at the beginning. If you're, if you don't do well in interviews, I would lead with that and say, Hey, listen, I'm really nervous. I don't do well with interviews. I'm going to do my absolute best. Thank you for, for allowing me to be here. Just please bear with me. Cause I am very nervous right now. If you start with the thing that, cause most people would try and hide that. If you start with the thing that you would normally try and hide, you immediately become more relatable. They appreciate your honesty and you can actually say what you believe and be truthful. So it, for using this for good, it all comes back to honesty and truth and being who you are. And so if you can lead with being who you are and not worry about judgment or embarrassment, it's really hard to go wrong. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a, a great note to ended on what do you think yeah i mean i i hope it was helpful uh <laughs> I, 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 I thought honestly i thought we were going to get into like more of the metrics like what it takes to produce a video the lighting the lenses like i thought that's where we we're going to go and i'm really glad that we went the direction we did for what it's worth yeah i mean to be honest with you i hate that shit i hate the metrics i never check my instagram metrics i i don't look at metrics I hate even looking at monthly income and like, I hate looking at that stuff. I, and this is a separate topic, but I remember, so I remember it's probably like four or five years in, neither of my parents made six figures, either of them. And so I remember the first year, I think that I remember the first year I ever made like $80,000. It was a combined 80 from online and from in-person coaching. I was like sobbing. Cause that was what my mom made is around there. And, um, I was like in my mid twenties and I was like, I'm already making as much. And like, it was very emotional for me. Money was always a big, big issue for us. And so I hate even looking at money because I, it's scary. It's, it sounds, but it's scary. And I don't like associating my self-worth with views or with money or with likes or with any of that stuff. And I think it's people very easily associate their self-worth with how many likes a post gets or how much money they have in the bank account or how many views it gets on YouTube. And that's why we see people, they'll post something and it doesn't get enough likes and they delete it. It's like, hmm. did you post that because you actually thought it was good or did you post it because you wanted a certain amount of likes? If you thought it was good, then you should leave it up regardless of how many likes it gets. So the whole metrics conversation, I'm not going to say it's worthless because obviously it's important to understand metrics and to keep track on, on some things in your life. But I think we live in an age in which it's overly analyzed and people, people are willing to change who they are in order to change the metrics. And that should never be, it should never be a topic that's on the table. You should never be willing to change who you are to change your metrics. You should stay who you are. And just keep being you until the metrics change. You don't change you 
for the metrics. It's a terrible, terrible life strategy. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, best case scenario, you end up in a place where people really like you for someone you're not, right? That's exactly right. And what an awful place to be in. Hmm. What like what a could you imagine? Like that's then you can't leave your house with you always have to put on a face. And you, re- you know, people don't even like the real you. And then you resent them. You're like, they don't even know who I am. Well, whose fault is that? It's your fault. You didn't tell them the truth, hmm. right? Like you didn't say who you really are. You made a facade and then they got to know the facade. So it's, it's a, it's a big problem. Yeah. Do you have a, are you excited about an upcoming video? Do you have something you're working on? Man, so we're... We're actually in the same predicament with YouTube that we are with podcasts, except even more so. So like, I think with podcasts, we're like two months behind or something. With YouTube, we're like, we're like six months behind with YouTube videos. So we're right now we're really working on getting back like to getting closer. So the last like, yeah, we're like six months behind with YouTube videos. So it's great because we have so much amazing content coming out for like, we have so much backlogged, but it's just, so I don't even know what the next video is going to be. I have to wait and see what Mish says. I'm also not a stickler with like, we need this video out now. So I'm not like, I don't like to be a boss. That's like, uh, we need this today. Like, (laughs) like that's just not my personality. So if Mitch is ever like, Hey man, could you have a few extra days? Like, like, I don't know. I need to spend time with my wife. Yeah, whatever. Like that's another thing. My videos aren't about current events. The people are always going to always going to find these videos helpful. So whether it comes out today or in four days, it doesn't really matter. So yeah, we're trying to get back to, (laughs) to like more consistent, but we're a little bit behind. So I I don't even know what the next one is, but I do think one thing I'm going to start doing on Instagram. Oh, actually I do have different ideas. I'll, I'll talk about that. So on Instagram, I've posted a video a couple times now. I've done it differently each time I've done it, but it's the title is always like groundbreaking fitness information. And it's just me being like, if you want to work out in the morning, you can oh, work I saw out that. in that the was morning. Fantastic. <laughs> or if you want to work out at night, like, and it's funny because people really have enjoyed that. So I'm going to do a whole series of different things on that. Yeah, and we'll see how great. that goes on YouTube. I have so many products that I've, I've bought all of them. I bought all the products. Like I, I buy a lot of fitness stuff just because I, I enjoy it and I like different modalities of training. I sort of want to start doing like product reviews. Yeah. Like here's my walking pad. Let's give you a review on it. Here's these like different grip handles that I bought for chin-ups. Let's do a review on it. And just like not taking any sponsorships, not getting them for free because that would immediately change how I talk about it. So I will buy them all. But I, I've been talking about so much of the same shit for so many years. <laughs> That's like, now that I sort of want like that, I just had this idea the other day. I was like, man, that yeah. would actually be really fun for me. So I think I'm going to start diving into that once we're caught up with all these videos over the next six months. <laughs> oh, and I think it lends itself to the format too. I think, uh, I think that would be great. Mm. Yeah. Subscribe. Subscribe here on your podcast. Subscribe on my YouTube channel, please. <laughs> Let's put the link to my YouTube channel. If you're not watching, it would mean the world to me. But yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening, Tony. Thank you. Make sure you follow Tony as well. We'll put Tony's Instagram in the show notes. Tony has just completely elevated the podcast. He's made me enjoy it so much more. Uh, he's, a, he's a wonderful human. Uh, give him a follow. If you have any topic ideas or requests, shoot Tony a message. Please let him know what you'd like us to talk about. If you don't have any topic ideas or requests, just shoot Tony a message and, and just say thank you because he's spending so much time and effort here and, and I appreciate him and I know so many of you do as well. So thank you. Love you very much. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you next week.